passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. This is Richard Deitch, your host. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, but an exceptional one. Ernie Johnson is the host of the iconic TNT's Inside the NBA, greatest studio show for sports of all time. He's also a 2023 inductee into the Broadcasting Sports Hall of Fame. We talk about uh, the latest honor for Ernie Johnson. Uh, how he's feeling about the NBA in-season tournament, upcoming negotiations for Warner Brothers Discovery and ESPN when it comes to the NBA media rights, and and Ernie as talent, is he thinking about that? And then we get into his dad, Ernie Johnson Sr., who is one of the finalists for the Ford C. Frick Award. And uh, Ernie Johnson Sr., uh, back in the day, was one of the iconic baseball broadcasters, uh, and especially in the South. Um, people with TBS, the Superstation, heard him everywhere. And uh, we get into Ernie's dad, uh, who I did not know much about until uh, doing a little research on him and then obviously talking to Ernie. And you could see how much Ernie loved his dad. And uh, that's probably my favorite part of the podcast. So I appreciated that. So Ernie Johnson coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right. As I said at the top, I mean, I really don't need to sort of have a long introduction for this guest. He's been on this podcast before, but more than that, I mean, he's sort of one of the seminal figures that exists in sports broadcasting. You know Ernie Johnson Jr. as uh, the host of WBD slash TNTs inside the NBA. He's won, you know, an immeasurable amount of sports Emmy awards. You've obviously also seen him on coverage of CBS and Turner's NCAA Tournament coverage, seen him on Major League Baseball, on TBS, and, you know, in addition to obviously basketball, 
Ernie's done major golf championships, did Wimbledon, has done the Olympics. I mean, again, we're talking about one of the great uh, careers in the business. And it's always great to catch up with them. And with that, I'm pleased to be joined by Ernie Johnson. Ernie, welcome to Sports Media Podcast. Richard, far too long an intro, but I'll let it, I'll let it pass. <laughs> it's nice of you to uh, show <laughs> some grace there. Um, all right, so here's where I want to start. Um, on December 12th at the New York Hilton Midtown, you will be inducted into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Uh, have you written a speech yet? Is there a speech required? I have not written a speech yet. Um, we are. Uh, it has been suggested that they uh, do not exceed six minutes, um, and that in, that in itself makes things difficult because you, you just while you're thinking about all the people you want to thank, it's like, well, I've got seven minutes of people I want to thank. You know, what am I going to do? So I will come up with something, and um, and it's it's going to be a. Uh, it's not going to be like a prepared read off the teleprompter speech. It's, uh, no, it's, uh, I don't know exactly what form it's going to take, but it will, uh, it will encompass a lot of feelings that, uh, that I've, uh, that I've had about this in, uh, in the recent months. So, you know, when it comes to like honors like this, Ernie, um, there are some people who, you know, who really embrace it and appreciate it. There are others, these kind of honors make them, uncomfortable. Um, having talked to you enough times, I, I absolutely know that, um, like, like you are happy to have received this and you're really appreciative, appreciative to receive it. That said, um, you know, I don't really know where you stand as someone who's won a lot of these or have honors or been named a lot of these honors. Um, what is What does this mean for you? Is this something unique just because it's a hall of fame? Well, Look, you're right. I mean, it, I, I, um, I am deeply appreciative of the, uh, of this recognition. Um, and what's uncomfortable about it, Richard, is, is like this. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. How do you hey, answer the hey, question? You want to sit down it. and talk to somebody about you going in the hall of fame? No, I don't really want to, but I will. I'll do this with Richard. It's you know, and and, but it's like I, um. It's very cliche to say this is this is not why you get in the business. This is not why you do what you do so that you're, you know, you receive uh, an accolade or or so. But it just, you know, what it does, it reinforces what my dad always taught me about the value of of working hard and respecting the job and being grateful for the job. Um, it reinforces that um, because. Uh, as I think back to, you know, going to the ballpark with him and watching him prepare, that that stuff all rubbed off on me, and so and so for this to to happen, um, um, it just kind of reinforces all of that. Um, and so I'm I'm extremely grateful and honored to be in this group, and um, and and I, it, the greatest thing about that thing is it's just going to be kind of a family weekend in New York for us, you know, with my kids and grandkids and my wife, we're all going to go. We're going to go up on Sunday. We're going to hang out in the city on Sunday night and Monday and then do it Tuesday and then come back Wednesday. And it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a really cool time. And so, um, yeah, it's, 
Um, I am extremely honored and, and, and have the fact that Charles is the one who gave me the news back when we were doing the match. You know, that, all of that goes into making it really, really special. So, um, again, not why we do what we do, but, um, man, if somebody sees fit to say that uh, that my career in sports broadcasting is worthy of this, um, I am I am thankful and blessed. Yeah, and uh, December in Manhattan as a former and longtime Manhattan resident is fantastic because the lights are out in the city. And people are joyous, and there's there's all sorts of Christmas and and uh, Hanukkah decorations, et cetera. And uh, it's a great time to be in New York. Um, yeah, and so you know, that's, you that's know what cool. else is cool about it, Richard? On that on that Monday night before the Tuesday event, and, and my my friends at at work somehow got it arranged that I can take a a live Peloton ride in the New York studio that night with my oldest son and daughter who are also addicted to Peloton like I am. So that's going to be, that's going to be awesome on that, on that Monday night, you just to be in there sweating like crazy in a, in a live Peloton ride. That's a very 2023 answer. And you know, Cosell <laughs> in 1978 was not doing Peloton work. If, uh, he was exactly nominated right. in this. I love that. All right. One thing um, that I believe when you had a conversation with Dan Lebertard, that this, this came up. I'm going to paraphrase it, so I'm going to try to get as close as I can. But you said something to the effect of the job is what I do. It's not who I am. And it took me a while to learn that. And I think you sort of went into it with him a, a little bit. Like, I think that's a very hard lesson for anyone to learn in any profession, particularly in sports broadcasting, which um, – you know, the, the fame of television and, and all the stuff that comes with it can be very, very intoxicating, particularly if you sort of are not grounded. So for you, like, wh- when did that happen, Ernie? Like, uh, was there a, like either a, an age or a moment when it morphed from I'm a broadcaster to, um, you know, I'm Ernie Johnson, who happens to also broadcast? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a... Uh you know especially when you're when you're early in your career and and you're just getting started and and you're kind of wondering where is this going to take me uh am i good enough to keep advancing you know when you're doing the news and making out of college um and you're wondering if any other market in the world would ever hire you or will you ever get to atlanta which is what you want to do um yeah, that you you can be so driven and have such tunnel vision on that that it becomes like who you are, and um, and I think there's I think there's a danger in that, and um, and when it overrides everything else, um, you it, it's it could just be trouble, and so you know people can look at me, hey you're the TNT guy I said well yeah I'm that's what I do. Uh, but that's not who I am. And I think I think a lot of that, you know, some of that comes just with maturity. Some of that comes when, you know, you you, you start having kids and you're like your focus is is changing and and things certain things become more important than other things. But it's you know, and I'm not gonna turn this into, you know, sunrise sermonette, but my faith uh plays a huge role in that, man, because you know, I'm I'm one of these late to faith guys, you know, who's, you know, grew up a Catholic and then didn't look at a church for the next 30 or 40 years. And then, you know, suddenly I'm suddenly, you know, the like the 
I have this Damascus Road experience of, you know, <laughs> seeing, you know, kind of saying, you know what, this is what's been missing in my life. And that kind of, that really gave me a grounding I hadn't had before, just my Christian faith. And, um, and it could kind of reprioritize things. And, and it's funny too, Richard, because for the longest time, I was saying, man, I wish I could win an Emmy. Man, you know, I had won a local, you know, a Southeast regional Emmy when I was working local news. Uh, but then, you know, when I'm working nationally and I'm working on TBS and TNT and I'm and I'm seeing Costas win this thing every year. And it's like, man, is anybody ever going to win one that, you know, anybody besides Bob? And then um, and you know what? It became like the less importance I placed on that the freer I was to do what I did. And I think I actually got better at my job. And then, and then it was, and then it happened. And, you know, the first time I tied Costas for an Emmy and I was like, well, I guess it doesn't get any better than this in my life, you know, professionally, but, and then a few others have followed. So it really is when I, when I put less pressure on myself there and less emphasis on that, it freed me up to be like, a better broadcaster. It's, it doesn't make much sense, maybe when I when I say that, but but that is actually how it feels. No, it, it actually makes a lot of sense uh, to me, and I think uh, you know, I think in some ways you get freedom when you know yourself better, um, mm-hmm. creative freedom, emotional freedom, but however you want to sort of define freedom. So I, th- that makes a lot of sense to me. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com sale. And book your free consult today. I want to ask you about sort of working this year. It's not really the most elegant segue from what you just said, which is much more profound than this question. (laughs) But one of the, um, you know, for someone in your position um, who's done this show for a long time, the show remains excellent. It deserves all the um, praise it's gotten. I I think I've at this point written 78 times. It's I consider it the, the, the best studio show of all time. But one of the things that's going to be new this year, Ernie, is that, you know, ESPN and, and, and TNT have done something pretty smart where they're going to integrate studio and game commentators together for the, I think it's the semifinals of the yeah. in-season in tournament. Right, in Vegas. So, does I mean, at this point of your career, like, I don't know, like, do you get excited about something like this where it's like, okay, um, it's not just going to be me, Kenny, Shaq, and Charles, but like, you know, uh, Wilbon's going to come on this show or Stephen A. Smith's going to be on the show or Adrian Wojnarowski. Like, I don't know, if I was in your position, and I'm not saying you're bored with your current job, like things like this would be exciting to me because it's it's a change up from the routine. But I, I want to know how you see something like this. You're, you know, you're absolutely right. And you know what? And I'll get, exa- I'll get to what's going to happen next Thursday uh, in Vegas in a second. But it's like last night. The Tuesday night of the uh, the last night of group play in the in season tournament, and you can say what you want about the in season tournament if you're all into it or if you're lukewarm, whatever. Uh, in my role, I got to be fully invested in that thing because I've got a million you know scenarios going on last night, and 
it was a great way to spend a November regular season night, which was unlike any other that I've ever done. I've been in that chair for 34 years. Because you're sitting here watching these games, not just the doubleheader we had, there were six other games going on, and they all had something to do with this who gets knocked out and who moves on to the quarterfinals. And I was, I mean, it was just like I'm dialed in from 7.30 or 7 o'clock when we had our pregame until 2 o'clock in the morning because I'm watching each, you know, when it finally slowed down, we only had one game, but okay, these guys won. It means these guys who are not playing got knocked out. And Joe Underhill, my my stat guy and I, are kind of just watching all the games together and going through the scenarios. And there's one point we do a cut in uh, to the Knicks game, and I'm able to, you know, in 15 seconds in this cut in, I'm, I'm watching the play that we're showing, but I'm also watching the live feed of the game to see the margin. So I'm able to tell the guys back doing our game, hey, Kevin, it's uh, if you're scoring at home right now, it's the point differential right now. You know the Knicks are plus forty for the for the tournament, and and so are the Bucks. So that's what's going. And and it was like, man, this is this is invigorating. I, and so yeah, that little change of pace, um, I love it. It's just it wasn't like your typical, you know, early season doubleheader. Uh, there was more riding on it. There was extra juice, so I love it. And so next Thursday, yeah, that's we're gonna we're gonna do a segment or so with on their air. Their guys are gonna do a segment on our air or or more. I don't know exactly how it's all been worked out, but yeah, to have Will Bond and Stephen A. with the Chuckster and Shaq, I mean, and Kenny, sure, that's <laughs> I'm all in on that. There's no telling what might happen. Let me ask you. This is. Um something I wanted to talk to you about um, when I knew you were coming on. And let me preface by saying that as an on-air person, or as you know, they say in the business or any talent, <laughs> you are removed from the negotiations of the NBA media rights deal. All that said, the NBA media rights expire at the end of the season for ESPN and WBD. There will be a number of companies part of these conversations heading forward, including yours and including ESPN. There's a thought that the two places that have the NBA now will retain the NBA with a third partner. But again, until the checks are delivered and the contracts are signed, we don't know. So I wanted to ask you a question and sort of please answer it as, as, as best you can, understanding that you don't really control any of this. But do you allow yourself to contemplate the possibility that your place might not have the NBA next year and what that potentially would mean for you? Or is it something that you, you can't focus on because ultimately you're not in the room when it comes to the negotiations? How does someone in your position think about this? You know, I, uh, the thought that we wouldn't have the NBA hasn't even crossed my mind, to be totally honest. I mean, even though you hear some stuff and it's like, well, you know, why isn't anything done? You know, it's, I have full faith. We've been with the NBA for so long. We've built up such a great relationship that I that I have never thought that we won't be part of it in some form. I realize that the landscape is changing and how people watch and that kind of thing and streaming being what it is. But no, um, I have full confidence we'll have a 
we will still be partners with the NBA when uh, when that time comes. Do you want updates from your management team on how things are going, or do you want to be really totally removed from that until um, that decision comes down? You know, I if they if they want to say, hey, things are still going great, you know, those kind of things, fine. I don't I don't get into the minutia of it. I don't I don't get into uh, every last detail. Um, and it's you know what's funny. Um, I think you know, I think back to the last negotiation uh, before the last time we renewed, and I was asked by Lenny Daniels, who was uh, one of our executives at that time, um, if I would write a poem because I again here's you don't really need to know all this, but I've always you know I love to write poems about things that we do. And it started way back when we had the NFL and I would kind of write in a poem about the end of the season and some of our travels and exploits on the road. And it was a riot and people laughed and we'd do, I'd read it at the rap party. So I've, so I've been doing these forever. And, and so Lenny said, Hey, would you write a poem about our relationship with the NBA? Because we have six governors coming by the studio as part of this thing and would love for you to to share that with him. And so, yeah, I said, sure, I'll, I'll do something. And, and so I did. And so in studio J with just, you know, about 15 or 20 folks, six of them governors, I just, they said, Hey, we just want to bring Ernie out. So I, I walked out and I read this poem to them. Um, and, um, and, and it included a couple of breaks for video that had been, that had been produced. So it was this it was it was this pretty cool thing. And so I, you know, I finished and I left and didn't know if it, you know, maybe they thought that was corny, maybe they hated it, who knows? And then and then I I read in the sports business journal that one of the owners was like, you know, it was really a cool moment. Ernie Johnson came out and read a, read a poem about his about the TNT relationship with with the NBA, and it was and it was really, really a great moment. And I was like, well, cool. And and so I haven't been asked to do any poetry or anything at this, <laughs> at this point. But so I'm I'm far removed from whatever's going on in the room where it happens, that's for sure. <laughs> By the way, I love I, I uh love the fact that uh you just sort of freestyle and write poetry. That's oh, um that's a great a creative one. outlet to have. No, you know what? It's kind of like it's like uh a John Wooden kind of thing, you know. Wooden used to love to to write it and read it and recite it and that kind of thing. And it's it is. It's just kind of a good creative outlet. And 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 most and I do it at the at the NBA uh, Legends brunch every year. Uh, that's how I started off when I MC that. And so, um, yeah, I'm. Um, it, it keeps you sharp. It, it 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 refines your ability to write and communicate and think in a different way. So yeah, I've always kind of liked that. I love that. I actually took a uh, college class, maybe in a grad class. That's what the, the 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 dates get the the, the dates fade, Ernie, as you get older. Oh, I know. But um, I took a, I took it on Langston Hughes and his poetry, and so uh, I've always like admired people who can. Um, obviously, I admire writers given what I do, but that that's a real incredible talent if you can actually create poetry that moves people so um that's very cool mine's, mine's more uh 
Dr. Seuss like, but it's uh, but it still can be effective. <laughs> well, Ernie, well, if you want, I'll, I'll I'll text you Dr. Seuss's current bank account based on the last seven years. Not pretty rather successful corporation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Sam, I am Ernie Johnson and Ham. All the places wrong. you'll go, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Which was which is still one of the great graduation book gifts of all time, even. Um, to this day, all the places. Oh, without question. And you know what? When I I was lucky enough in 2017 to deliver the commencement address at the University of Georgia, my alma oh, mater. That's between, awesome. At Sanford yeah. Stadium, between the hedges, and I closed it with my own version of that. I had written I, a takeoff on all the places you'll go with a lot of uh, stuff that was. Uh, that was Athens, Georgia, tied, and the University of Georgia tied, and that kind of thing. And it was uh, that was again one of those uses of poetry that was man. It was a it was just a a really cool moment. So no, I'll never I love that. that. Never. By the way, gigantic crowd, right? That's a gigantic school. That's yeah. not a small audience, yeah, right? Yeah, it was it was big, and and man, it was man, it was such a great scene. You look out over this sea of of graduates and then yeah it was that's a special night man that's great i love that old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right. I want to, um, I want to make the switch to your dad uh, because uh, for those listeners who don't know, uh, Ernie's dad, Ernie Johnson Sr., um, is one of the 10... Um, nominees for uh, the Frick Award, I yeah. think it's or the Frick Honor, which is given to the you know which which places great broadcasters in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Again, it, it's probably for a generation um, in terms of people who are listening, um, they might not be familiar. Bernard's dad was essentially the soundtrack of the Braves for multiple decades because TBS was one of the early superstations. His, uh, you would hear his voice or hear Braves games in places that normally um, one would not think the Braves would play because Ted Turner had this genius idea to essentially create this superstation. So Ernie Johnson um, Sr. wasn't just really the voice of the Braves, but in many ways the voice of baseball in the South. And so um, given that, Ernie, um, I want to start here. Like, how old were you when you realized your dad was a famous person or, or, like, a no, or like a known person? Um. Not when he was a player, because I was so young, you know, he, so he played with the Braves in the fifties and, and, uh, wrapped up his career with the Orioles. Um, and even when he went to work as their PR director in Milwaukee, um, it was still like, I didn't think he was 
famous. I just knew we got into we got to go to all the games we wanted to go to. My mom would would take me and my sisters to to the games. Um, but I guess when the Braves moved to Atlanta um, and he became part of that broadcasting crew, I was like, yeah, that's boy, everybody knows my dad, you know, and and when you're sitting there listening to the game on a transistor radio um, and everybody around the South is doing the same thing, uh, you realize um, how important he was to so many people. And and it's it's so cool still, Richard, to to have people come up to me wherever and say, boy, did I love listening to your dad? You know, I, that means the world to me uh, because he really, he was to a lot of folks, he was Braves baseball back then, even though the teams were brutal for many of those seasons. I mean, you'd, you know, I can remember him starting broadcast, you know, on September 1st. Today it's the Braves and the Padres from Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. And Braves with a win today would take two out of three in the series and move to within 34 games of the Dodgers. You know, it was it was just like, but but he was he was doing what he loved. The game of baseball meant the world to him. It had been everything to him. And for him to be able to continue his career after after playing as a broadcaster was uh, was just everything to him. And he, he just he felt like, you know, the luckiest guy in the world because he was getting to do baseball uh, for so many years. So, um, you know, I, I knew I knew from early on when we moved to Atlanta that, boy, everybody's listening to, to my dad. Do you remember when you told him that you wanted to be a broadcaster, that you wanted to join the family business? You know what? Um, there was never, and I'm grateful for this, there was never any pressure from him to to do what I'm doing. You know, it was, you know, because what I, I, originally I wanted to do what he did, and that is be a baseball player. You know, and 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 so I actually I walked on at Georgia, and made the team as a freshman. Um, and as I tell people, I walked on as a freshman, and then was told to walk off as a sophomore. They, <laughs> good, I got cut. I got cut before my sophomore year. So um, I really thought I was going to be uh, an English teacher and a baseball coach. I said that would be a good way to, to keep a hand in baseball. And also I'm an English major. So I'd love, you know, I could see myself in high school, you know, teaching, teaching, teaching English and, and being the baseball coach. And, um, you know, I guess there were a few conversations, but not, never anything where my dad said, Hey, so when are you going to, you know, when are you going to get behind the mic? You know, Skip Carey actually said, you know, was more I wouldn't say adamant but but a little like he was like man you got a good voice you might like doing this you might want to give it a try you know so you know Skip in his inimitable way kind of was like yeah maybe Skip you know I don't know uh, but when I decided to just give it a try on the campus at the campus radio station WUOG in Athens it was uh, there's something just you know it bit me it was like well, that was kind of fun, and I'm getting into the games for free, and you know I'm in the locker rooms, you know after the game talking to Vince Dooley, and I'm this is pretty cool, 
Um, and so I don't think there was ever a, this moment where I said, Dad, I need to sit down. I'm going to I'm going to try broadcasting. It was more like, hey, I got cut from the baseball team. What you going to do? You know, I'm, and I'm well, English, you know, English teacher, baseball coach, you know, maybe the J school. I don't know. It was it was kind of like that. You know, I may try it. And and that's kind of how it worked. How would you for those who have not heard him, how would you describe his plane calling style? He was just like your next door neighbor calling a game. It's like you're, you know, it's like that. Um, he was just comfortable. You know, there was no, you know, these days, sometimes it's hard to pick out one announcer from another because a lot of them sound like they, like they came out of the same place and call a game the same way. And my dad was, uh, my dad was just being him, you know, and that's the, you know, and he always told me, he said, Ernie, just be yourself. And I was, and, and, and that's all I ever saw him do is he was just himself. And, and folks would come up to me and said, man, I met your dad the other day. Uh, he was over there at the, at the drugstore and he sounds just like he does on the radio and the TV. I said, well, that's the greatest compliment you can give him because he's not putting on airs and trying to be something he's not, or trying to be, Hey, now here's a line in the hood. You know, he's just, he was just being him. And, and having been a player was, you know, that was a huge plus for him to bring to the, to the mic every time he, every time he was, uh, was on. And, um, and I think it was just, it was just who he was a very comfortable listen and a guy who he wasn't afraid to, let you know that he was broadcasting for the Braves, but he was, he was so even handed. He would, you know, you know, he was not just one of these raw, raw guys, you know, but it was, you know, he would point out mistakes and he would applaud, you know, plays on the other side. And uh, I just, he was, he was, he was the best, you know, and that's going to sound very biased coming from me. Oh yeah. My dad was, but he was, and, and above his broadcasting talents was just, this this incredible respect for the game of baseball and for for the folks who listened because look I got to tag along with him all the time to the ballpark so I'd be there five and six hours before first pitch with him watching him his do his pregame interviews you know I'm I'm leaning up against the batting cage watching Hank Aaron take swings you know it's like this was this dream childhood but at the same time I'm watching him, how he prepared, how he would take time with fans. You know, somebody would yell at him as the, you know, they open the gates. Somebody would yell at my dad from behind the backstop. Hey, Ernie. And my dad go over there and talk to him for 15 minutes. Like they were long lost friends. It was some guy from Valdosta who had driven up to, to watch the game. And it said, I mean, I listened to you all the time and they would have this great conversation. He had such respect for folks and treated everybody with such dignity. Um, and so, you know, I tell people a lot when I speak um, that um, you have to remember that the kids have superpowers and, and the, the superpower is they, they see and hear everything. And and I know that from because of the way I grew up. It wasn't that my dad had to lecture me about this is how you treat people or this is how you look at your job. I just watched him. I just watched him and listened to him. And. And so he taught me everything about being, you know, a husband and a father and a professional. And I can't, you know, I can't think of anything else that I <laughs> that I would need to say about 
but his impact on me and his impact on fans, baseball fans around uh, around the country. Do you um, would he have succeeded in today's broadcasting universe? Would he have been? Do you think his style would have, would work in twenty twenty three? Sure, I would hope. Let me let me put it that way. I would hope, um, because I, you know, I miss the old voices, Richard, and it was. You know what would what what we would do when we would drive home from the ballpark after a Braves game is he would, you know, he would twist the the knob on the uh, on the AM radio while we were driving home. Hey, let's check out KMOX. Let's hear Jack Buck. Hey, I think we can pick up this. Here's Bob Prince. Hey, listen to oh, there's Joe Nuxall doing the Reds. Listen to him when he signs off here. He's going to ask the old left hander rounding third and heading home. I love that stuff. I, I, it is my hope that that would always play in this game. Um, and so, sure, I would, I would say his game would still play. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, uh, two more here. Um, what what was um, when you learned of the 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 sort of the he was part of this final group of ten broadcasters for the Frick? What was how did you learn about it, and then what was you and the the family's reaction? Um, I actually saw something on Facebook. Uh, wow. I was just I was just scrolling through, and somebody had just said, "Hey, here are the finalists," and I was like, "Great," um, because he, he he was a finalist a year or two ago as well. Um, and then I kind of shared that and said, "Man, I'm glad to see that he's still remembered." And um, and then I've gotten a call from from the committee up there and said, "Hey, you know, left a message to say." Just want you to know, you know, your dad's a finalist, and if you need anything, and, and when when it happened a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with the person, and it was like, okay, so I understand how it goes, and it was more like, here's when it's going to be announced, and you know that kind of thing. Um, above all, it's gratifying to see that he is still remembered, um, because it's easy, it's easy to get to that point where if it's somebody's not you know, a contemporary broadcaster and into the, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years, then they didn't exist. And so, so to have a guy who, who was, um, you know, last called a game in what, 99 or so. Um, I like, you know, I, I just, I love the fact that he is remembered. Um, so that's, what's gratifying about it. Because look, when you look at that, at all those finalists, every one of them is outstanding. And so you can't really make a wrong decision on who wins that award. But obviously, deep in my soul, I'm saying, man, I wish my old man could win it. And and even more so, I wish he could be here to to enjoy it if it isn't. And the last one for me, uh, and sort of I'll ask you to contemplate this because it really is remarkable. If you step back, th- there have been 61 years, 61 consecutive years of Ernie Johnson's broadcasting <laughs> sports to the masses. Six plus decades. I, I, you know, I can't do it off the top of my head. Think of how many presidents have passed since then. That's pretty remarkable. I know you consider yourself very fortunate, Ernie, but I mean, think about that. 61 years between you and your dad. 
have been calling major sports um, for outlets. At Turner. At Turner. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Ted Turner to thank for that. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, so we've, and that, again, is the loyalty was great, was big with my dad. You know, that's all. That's the only place he wanted to be was was working for the Braves and and working for Ted. And and, you know, and, and so are we you know we had that that overlap in our careers uh, but yeah, since like 70, like since 72 um, on, on TBS, there's been an Ernie Johnson, either a junior or a senior. Um, and then there was a time when we worked together again. And, and I, I can't believe sports I had sports South, right? Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that I, you know, but it's a good way to kind of put a wrap on, on my dad and what it means is that, is that we did in those mid nineties have a chance to for a few seasons when my schedule permitted do games together and as much fun as I have working with Chuck and Shaq and Kenny and everybody and all the people I get to work with um, nothing will nothing can touch working with your old man nothing and I know some there are some folks who would listen and say no I can think of a lot of things better than working with my dad you know for, for whatever reason. But for me, there was nothing better than be sitting in a booth, shoulder to shoulder with your dad, calling a baseball game, or being at spring training and driving a driving to a, a you know a grapefruit league game in Kissimmee, Florida. Um, it, that nothing will touch it. Nothing. Yeah, I, in doing some research for this, I saw a piece that it was in the '90s that. Um, some outlet did with um, your dad, your mom. He's walking with a cowboy hat, and he's yeah. talking, you know what I'm talking about. He's talking about his family, and um, yeah. they show him at the they show him calling Braves games. Um, he really uh, he really understood like um, one who he was, but two how fortunate his life had been. And it was a uh, I know you've seen this. It's a pretty cool piece. Pretty cool yeah, cool piece it, to sort of learn yeah, about it. Him. It was on like it was like a PM magazine. Correct. When yeah, like PM six, magazine. like a six-minute feature, long feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's walking around with a cowboy hat. And <laughs> I, but I, re, the thing that I remember the most about that, because my dad was pretty good at hiding his emotions, but when he he looked in the camera and he said, "When your kids uh, call you and they say they want to come and see you, right? Well, that's that's how it ended." You know, and I'm yep, dude. I was like, <clears throat> I was like, I'm choked up, yeah. you know, watching him when he when he did that. And so uh, that's the guy he was, though. You know what? He was the quote the voice of the Braves, but that's what he did. It wasn't who he was, and you saw who he was in that piece. Yeah. So you know, a guy who has this this great life and just happens to have the job, the only job that he really wants. And, and so now I look at my life and I'm saying, I'm, I'm the exact same guy. I've got the, I got the job that I want. Um, but, you know, now I'm enjoying these, you know, this being a grand, <clears throat> being a grandfather and, and, and just looking, being able to reflect on, man, who would have thought when I joined them up and joined them in 1989, still be sitting here at the desk of this of this show how lucky how lucky am i it's that 
It's George Bailey, man. It's George <laughs> Bailey. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool to learn a little bit about him in that uh, in that piece. I appreciate it. Uh, Ernie Johnson is the host of Inside the NBA. December 12th, he'll be inducted into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. And as he said, uh, a lot of family will be with him as they uh, head to uh, the big city for that honor. Ernie, it's always great to catch up with you. I wish you nothing but the uh, best of health and success. And uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Richard, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You always have the greatest questions, and it's not, you know what, it's just like sitting in a room just hanging out with you and talking. It's uh, it's awesome. I appreciate you. You got it. See, I was born in New York, but yet I have a little Southern in me, Ernie. See my back. Who, who would have guessed it? It's Ernie Johnson, everyone. Thank you. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to Ernie Johnson. Uh, always a great guest. Um, if you want to head to the archives, we have a mini podcast with Austin Carp and, and John Lewis. You want to catch up on viewership. ESPN Sports Center anchor Randy Scott uh, was a guest on this podcast November 27th talking about uh, going public with his mental health struggles. Incredibly honest uh, stuff from him. Tennis Channel, NBC Olympics, and Pac-12 Networks broadcaster Ted Robinson on his uh, impressive career. Joe Buck and Jason Benetti before that. If you like these kind of podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That's how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.